Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution. Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think of that as at the heart of the Eucharist. Live. A mystery then of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Thank you for tuning in on a Wednesday morning. We're coming to you live from St. James Coffee in Rochester, Minnesota. It is Real Presence Live. I'm Matt Wilcom, Communications Director for the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, along with Father Will Thompson, a priest of the diocese here. And uh, we're just uh, really happy to be here. Uh, beautiful day, Father Will. And uh, we have some uh, construction going on here as well yeah, in, the, in the neighborhood. It's a fantastic day. You know, if you're, if you're out there listening, you're wondering how you can, uh, you know, keep your, your little kids occupied uh, throughout this morning, come on down to St. James Coffee. We have bulldozers actually working right now we've got steamrollers we've got uh, uh caterpillars we got we got all sorts of heavy machinery so working on the work on the road uh, right out here so it's a little difficult to get here but certainly worthwhile uh not only to watch the construction but uh also stop in at saint james coffee and uh, get a little brew hot or cold here today that's right it is accessible and a great uh idea to continue to support a entity an establishment like this uh that is uh Really, in the work of evangelization, that's the goal of, of this whole place, uh, St. James Coffee, as is Real Presence Radio. Uh, we like to support each other, and uh, as I say, Catholic Radio lifts all boats, so we want to put a plug in, especially during this time when it might not be quite as accessible to get in here, but you still can if you want to get a cup of coffee this morning at St. James Coffee if you're in Rochester here in southeast Minnesota. That's right, and so, I, you know... I'm just I'm happy that I have an excuse if I space out uh, throughout the show because it's like oh look the you know the, the bulldozer is still oh, working out there yeah no, but dirt we don't want to space out we want to focus that's right so why don't we start with a little prayer excellent in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit Amen God our Father we give you thanks and praise you are in total and eternal relationship with the Son and the Holy Spirit. As we have celebrated your Trinity this past Sunday, help us now to prepare to celebrate the gift of your Son in the Eucharist. That in this upcoming Corpus Christi, we may know of the blessing, the fruitfulness, the goodness, the source and summit that is the Eucharist. Increase our faith and help us to live more fully in you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we mentioned before, this is Real Presence Live, and uh, I'm Matt Wilkham, along with Father Will Thompson. And right now, we're going to get a preview of the show with Aaron Breen. Aaron, take it away. Well, thank you very much, Father, uh, Father and Matt. We are in the second day of the week of the Eucharist right here on Real Presence Live, and we're happy to have... Father and Matt here in the hot seat today. They will discover more about the beauty of the Eucharistic Adoration and tying it in with vocations with Shauna Hansen of the Diocese of Rapid City. Father will then take your questions on the faith during Straight Talk here. Call in from 9.30 to 10. Then in the second hour, Father Joel Hastings of the Diocese of Duluth will speak on the goodness of the teaching of transubstantiation. It's a big word, but 
very simply, what is that? We will definitely unpack that mystery here. We will then take the 10-minute tour of great events, discuss the beauty of adoration and what it is, and then finally we'll have Patty Cody from the Devil's Lake area to speak on the beauty of the Adoration Chapel. It's a great edition of Real Presence Live. The lineup is set right here. Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I forget the exact word you used there, but, but you mentioned how you know, both Matt and I will discover more about the beauty of the Eucharist. And I think that that's a, that's a great, uh, uh, great uh, expectation, great uh, encouragement, because I know certainly uh, for priests, sometimes we can fall into the thought that, hey, you know, we celebrate the Eucharist every day. We, we, we know what it is. Uh, and yet Jesus still has more to reveal to each and every one of us. So, uh, you know, for our, all of our listeners out there, I don't care if you received communion for the first time this spring, or if you've received communion, you know, every, every Sunday of your life, and you're in your 80s or 90s uh there is still more that jesus wants to reveal to us absolutely there is he's an infinite god and we are finite creatures and we can only understand so much uh but uh we uh all we have to do is open ourselves up to receiving more and our lord is happy to meet us there and to fill whatever whatever void might be in our hearts uh, and work in us in ways that we don't even realize answer our prayers in ways that we don't even know Absolutely, and and to, to move us beyond our limitedness, you know, we do have an infinite God. We, but we we ourselves are limited, and and so you know, it, it, whenever we receive the Eucharist, you know, we have to I can resist that temptation to just let it be routine, right? You know, to let it be normal, and you know, each time to just be in awe and wonder and amazement that Jesus wants to give Himself to us. He tell He promises us, "Behold, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age." And one of the very specific ways that he does that is by giving himself to us in the Eucharist. Absolutely. Again, you're listening to Real Presence Live. I'm Matt Wilkham, along with Father Will Thompson on a Wednesday morning. And uh, we, I believe, have our first guest, Father. Uh, we're going to be talking with Shauna Hansen about the power of prayer and how it's key when it comes to vocations. And where better to pray for vocations than in Eucharistic adoration, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, really, that's the source and the summit. And uh, Shauna, Shauna Hansen of the Diocese of Rapid City is going to be joining us to share her story of the power of prayer for vocations. Uh, Shauna, are you there? I am. Welcome Good to Real morning. Presence Live. Thank you. Thanks Thank for joining you. us. And, Thank you uh, for having me. Great. We're in the, the second day of the week of the Eucharist on, on Real Presence Live, and we want to talk about the power of prayer in adoration and vocations. But before, before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so we live in the Diocese of Rapid City and uh, just east of Rapid City a ways, and we are parishioners at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Perpetual Health. Um, I'm married. I've been married for 32 years, and we have five beautiful children and two grandchildren. And um, I work for the Diocese of Rapid City in the area of stewardship. Oh, excellent. Sean, it's great to have you on. This is Father Will. Uh, um, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about when you started going to adoration and perhaps more importantly, what drew you into adoration of the Blessed Sacrament? Yeah, I had a good time yesterday pondering that, trying to remember exactly the first time we ever went to Eucharistic adoration, and I have a hard time remembering the exact time, but we've had perpetual adoration at the cathedral for five years. It was our five-year anniversary at Easter, and I have had a dedicated holy hour there um, signed up for the whole time, so that's definitely been going weekly for five years, but as I was trying to remember, I know that in the uh, 
Brett and I used to be involved in the Engaged Encounter Ministry, so we helped present uh, weekends for engaged couples. And I think it was in the mid to late 90s that we had a, a friend of ours who thought we should be praying for these couples over the weekend. So we started organizing uh, perpetual adoration during the retreat weekend. And they were also doing them during Rachel's Vineyard. So I think it was at that time that I probably started, I first encountered Eucharistic Adoration and started going at least um, intermittently. So, and, and I think initially I was drawn to that because they wanted to pray for um, others, right? To pray for those who are on retreat. And, um, and, but what kept me going to adoration really was the sense of peace that you feel, that you just, yeah, I think that I, I find a, a peace of heart in adoration that I don't find anywhere else. And I think it took me aback a little. Um, I, wasn't, I didn't have that expectation going into it. Um, and so it was just a real gift of grace, and uh, that's what keeps me going, for sure. I think a lot, of, a lot of people have that same experience, Shauna, of going to adoration and feeling this peace, especially in a culture where there's so much anxiety, worry. Uh, that's, that's not from God. Uh, the, the, the peace that he wants to give can be found in his presence. And, um, and a lot of people, I think, including myself, have experienced that. It's just kind of wasting time with God, wasting time with mm-hmm. Jesus, knowing that he is perfectly happy to, to, quote, waste time with us. And that helps us, I think, as parents as well, to, to kind of waste time, if you will, with our kids, to let them know that they're loved unconditionally. It's so important to first receive that, though, for, uh, from God. Um, one of the things, Shauna Hanson, you, that you felt called to do is pray for vocations, in adoration. How, how did this come to fruition? Yeah, I think that um, I, I have had the, the grace, I think, and the gift of knowing priests at a personal level for a very long time, because my mom worked for the, for the parish church that I grew up in. And then being active in that retreat ministry, we had the opportunity to have priests who were also friends who had a, you know, who we had over for dinner. And um, so I've always had a heart for the priesthood, and then also a heart for the vocation of marriage, too, because, and, and that it is a sacrament and, um, and a calling and a vocation. So, so I, you know, I've always had that heart, but in, I think it was in 2007, the Congregation for the Clergy wrote a beautiful document um, called Adoration and Reparation, Eucharistic Adoration and Spiritual Motherhood, and, um, and we, I was introduced uh, to it through the Office of Vocations here in the diocese when they invited women to become spiritual mothers. And that document, unlike a lot of things that the Church produces, is very um, simply written and is really full of stories and pictures of uh, women through all over the world through the 20th century who prayed fervently for vocations and for priests. And it's just, it's very inspiring. So, so I was really drawn to begin praying much more intentionally for priests and for the vocation of, to priesthood, for seminarians, for discerners, um, through that program, the Spiritual Motherhood Program. And then I spent several years working in the vocations office, and that just deepened my desire um, and commitment to pray for them. That's beautiful. Uh, we're listening. We're, we're here on uh, Real Presence Live. I'm Father Will Thompson, along with Matt Wilcom, and we're talking with Shauna Hansen from the Diocese of Rapid City. Uh, Shauna, as, as you're talking about this spiritual motherhood, um, I wonder if you could explain a little bit more. You know, what, what's 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 the difference? What's the difference between spiritual motherhood and motherhood? Uh, <laughs> and and how, how do you, how do you see that that play out uh, over over a period of time? Sure. Sure. Right. I'd say, as a spiritual mother, you just make a commitment to pray. Um, and so to be that 
spiritual support um, for a priest or a seminarian or a discerner, and um, and so in that way you're not you're not um, physically supporting them. I guess the way you would support your own children, but you're spiritually supporting them and praying for them and um, and and making sacrifices for them, which I think is an important part. I've just grown in that recently. How powerful a prayer that can be to to intentionally make sacrifices for others and and offer them up and um, and offer all those graces up to the Lord and let Him use them however is needed, you know, for the for that particular priest or seminarian or discerner. Absolutely, our lives are to be a a, a, a spiritual sacrifice, uh, no matter what our vocation is, and that looks like a particular you know, it, 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 it's spiritual motherhood is one of the the facets of that and uh, you also want to foster a culture of vocations in your home shauna can you expand on that a little sure um yeah so we have five children and um i i think we always uh really tried to teach our children that god had a plan for their lives um that god loves them so much that whatever that plan is is going to be the thing that's going to bring them the greatest happiness and then just try to encourage them to listen to the Lord and to follow wherever He was leading them. So I think building a culture of vocations in the home first means building a culture of faith, you know. So um, we really uh, tried to live the liturgical year at our house. We read saint stories. We had family prayer time. Um, we made church activity kind of the center of our lives, and we sacrificed other activities to be there. And so I think we were just trying really to foster an openness so that our kids would be able to hear the voice of the Lord and then just encourage them to listen um, to that. So um, that's, what we, that's what we did, and um, we're grateful. It seems to have worked. <laughs> we, yeah. have a, we have a, yeah, we were just in St. Paul last weekend and celebrated the baptism of our second um, grandson, and so our son Andrew is happily married and really living a sacramental marriage, focused on Christ and and bringing the faith to his two boys, and it's really beautiful to see that and to see the fruits of that. And and then our youngest son um, just graduated from high school from St. Thomas More um, this past May and is entering the seminary at Winona Immaculate Heart of Mary in the fall. He'll be studying as a seminarian for our diocese. And excellent. And then we have three other adult children who are living their faith um, and and still and still pursuing whatever God is calling them to and open to that and um, yeah and living fruitful lives. So we're we're deeply grateful. Well, Shauna, thanks for all the work that you do with your family. And, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a former vocation director, I know that's uh, building up a culture uh, of faith and just growing in faith, that that's, that's what leads to, uh, to understanding vocations and uh, being able to follow the vocation wherever, God, wherever it is that God is calling you. Um, but I wonder if I would, I'd be interested in, in hearing your thoughts on specifically how to pray for vocations. What do you do? So you've talked about what, what you do at the home to, um, you know, to ex- um, build up that openness within your children. Um, but maybe going back to the Eucharistic Adoration a little bit more, how is it that you pray for vocations? Sure. There is a beautiful... So in the, in the newest edition of that document that I, I told you about from the Congregation of the Clergy, there's a beautiful holy hour in there to pray for vocations. And, and there are a lot of beautiful litanies to vocations, so... Um, so I sometimes use those in adoration, um, but I don't, I don't pray every week in my holy hour, um, for specifically for priests. I do 
every day um, we do pray for our priests, our seminarians, and our discerners. That's part of the intentions of our Brett and I's morning prayer together. And then I, I usually pray. I live 25 minutes from my workplace, so I pray the rosary on the way to work. And um, the priests and seminarians and discerners are always a part of the intentions that I offer up with that rosary. And then on Thursdays, because Thursday, Holy Thursday was the day that Christ instituted the priesthood, um, I dedicate my whole rosary that day. I pray for every priest in our diocese and every seminarian by name, and I um, and then I fast that day for them. And um, so, so that's yeah, that's what I that's what I offer. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you, and uh, just an encouragement to uh, you know everyone who's listening. Uh, you know, vocations certainly are not just a need. I mean, there, there's a need for vocations. Uh, we can say that generically in, in the um, in, in the church, but more importantly, God God has called us, uh, and there, there's a need for each of us individually to understand how it is that God has created us for holiness. God has created us for love. God has created us for uh, the, the joy that he will complete within us. So, Shauna, thank you for, for sharing this. Is there anything else you'd like to add in our final minutes um, with you today? And just to build on what you just said, you know, I, I love what Father Brett Brannon says, that there are, there are no shortage of vocations because the Lord loves us and he will take care of us, right? And so he is calling people to, to the religious life, to the priesthood, to holy and sacramental marriage, the the hard thing is that we're not we're not listening, <laughs> you know. And so again, to go back to build that culture of faith, right, to, so that we can help everyone listen to what the Lord is calling them to. That that's where the real the real need is. And Eucharistic adoration is a beautiful, beautiful place to listen. Absolutely, right? it's a time of quiet, and Thank so. You. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm sorry, Shauna, we're, we're out of time. Thanks for being with us today. We look forward to having you back again. Coming up next, right. what questions do you have about the faith on the world around us? Call in for our Straight Talk segment. And later we'll be unpacking a truly great mystery of how Christ becomes present in the Eucharist. All this and more right here on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Real Presence Live will be coming to you five days a week starting in July. That's right, beginning July 1st, we'll bring you Real Presence Live Monday through Friday mornings from 9 to 11 Central with an encore of each show on Saturday. Plus, we'll bring you new hosts, new locations, and new opportunities to share stories of faith and pray for those in need. Stay tuned for more details. It's Real Presence Live, local, engaging, and live five days a week beginning July 1st, only on the RPR Network. The only things hotter than the summer heat are the rates to run radio spots on the RPR network. That's not all. The signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio, and I want to help you grow your business in front of a very faithful customer base. Don't wait. Call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. One very important parish will receive special treatment at the 2020 Built Upon a Rock Fest, including catered lunch on the concert day, meet and greet with the bands, and a special preview performance. Built Upon a Rock Fest is grateful for parish support and wants to give back. All sponsoring parishes will be entered into a drawing, and the VIP will be drawn on stage at the concert on September 14th. 
For details, check out builtuponarockfest.com. Builtuponarockfest.com. June 18th through the 20th marks the week of the Eucharist on Real Presence Live. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday morning from 9 to 11 Central. Tune in as we seek to educate, inspire, and promote the Catholic teaching of the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, leading up to the solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ on Sunday the 23rd. It's the transforming week of the Eucharist on Real Presence Live, Tuesday, June 18th through Thursday the 20th, right here on Real Presence Radio. You're listening to the RPR Network. Now, back to more Real Presence Live. Coming to you from St. James Coffee in Rochester, Minnesota, we are the Caffeinated Catholics. I'm Matt Wilcom, <laughs> along with Father Will Thompson of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. You're listening to Real Presence Live on a Wednesday morning. It's about 22 minutes past the hour, and just have a good time here. We had a great conversation with Shauna Hansen about uh, vocations and Eucharistic adoration, how the two tie together, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to continue to to speak on that theme this morning because it is the week of the Eucharist here on Real Presence Radio. It is, and you know, it just awakened a lot within me. It's, uh, I'd spent five years as vocation director for the Diocese of, uh, then Diocese of Winona, now Diocese of Winona, Rochester, and uh, there really is that, that importance of Eucharistic adoration. Uh, it's as, we, as we want more shepherds, uh, you know, and the priesthood in particular, you know, to ask the, sh- the good shepherd, as we want to have more brides of Christ, uh, to, to ask the groom, uh, to be there right in the, right in the presence of, of, of Jesus in the Eucharist is really a powerful way of begging the harvest master to send out laborers for his harvest. There's no doubt about that. And what people really want, one of the things that they want in their shepherds, in a disciple in general, is someone who has an undivided heart for the Lord, but then also someone who uh, is able to give you their undivided attention. Mm-hmm. And in this culture, that can be so difficult. I think, oh, okay. actually, I just, I just got a phone call. I got to take this right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a text. No. Yeah, I was uh, going to say, it's not a phone call. It's a text. Right. <laughs> These days. I'm so, I missed the millennial uh, generation by like two years. I'm too old. Yep. Yep. We're, 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 we're so. right. We're right about the same. But, um, you know, as, as, we were, as we were talking with Shauna about, uh, you know, spending time in Eucharistic adoration uh, before the Blessed Sacrament, you know, begging for, uh, for vocations, uh, also working in the home. You know, I, I think that you know, teaching young people how to be still, be still and know that I am God, uh, that that is such a vital lesson, a, a vital ongoing education that, that I think that uh, our youth today, and it's, it's not just our youth, because the, the busyness of culture, the erratic um, um, you know, unfocused nature of our culture, it affects all of us. Yeah. It really does affect all of us. And to be able to spend that time before the Blessed Sacrament, it does so much to calm you, to focus you, you know, to, to remind you that this is not about me, right. but it's about the one who, is, who has already saved me. I uh, noticed this, uh, uh, I think, the, uh, kind of an awareness of the culture that there's something sort of wrong uh, with the... Uh, the inability to not pay attention to one thing for any length, you know, significant length of time. I went into a, one of the big box stores here recently, and I, I, I saw a lot of the uh, 
signs that are designed to go on your wall, like for decor and different things, or put on a shelf, and it had that exact same verse, be still and know that I am God, mm-hmm. or just be still and know, yeah. dot, dot, dot. Yep. It's a sign that there's a need for that. Yeah. Um, but then also, Eucharistic adoration is a great way to facilitate that within your heart because uh, you're able to then have time with, with the one who created you who, who is willing to waste as much time with you as you want. And then you, can then you can then take that same mentality, that same heart that you're given and, and give it to others. You know, we talk about priests especially being so busy. So, so busy, too, maybe too busy for me, you would think. Sometimes I know I, maybe he's not. Maybe I shouldn't ask him to hear my confession because he he seems too busy. Yeah, there's a great uh, great line. Um, I, I don't know how uh, how much truth there is to it, but it was uh, I think an Augustinian monk uh, was quoted as once saying. But whether it actually was said or if it was made up by someone else, there's a lot of truth to it. And this uh, Augustinian monk said that um, I make sure that I pray an hour every day. Except for those days when I'm really busy, then I pray two. Right. <laughs> then, I, then, I, then I pray two hours. If, if the busier I become, the more I need that prayer. Uh, and it can be so tempting for any of us to say, "Oh, I've got too many things going on. I just, you know, if I just sacrifice that time, then I can get all these other things done." But then we're running on fumes. You know, we're just running on our own energy, and that that doesn't really get us very far. No, it gets us burned out. That's what it gets us. Yeah. And and really, it's about priorities. Yep. And the Lord helps us to get our priorities straight. Yep. But uh, we need to spend time with Him. Yeah. There was a there was a study by Monsignor uh, Stephen Rossetti a couple they put out a couple of years ago, and uh, he tried to tried to understand um, you know the the burnout uh, that can that exists in the priesthood, uh, but also the joy that exists in the priesthood. And one of the things that he found very remarkable that was that. Burn, burnout was not related to the amount of work, the amount of ministry that a priest was put was putting in in a given day wow. or over a week. Had nothing to do with that. The burnout was re- related to prayer. That that the, the the priests that go through life without having that solid daily prayer uh, tend to be more um, more susceptible to burnout because. They spend their entire, you know, their entire lives trying to show someone, trying to talk about someone that they themselves don't know. Mm. And, that's, uh, and that's something that really has stuck with me. I mean, I've, I've been convinced for some time that I, I need to pray every day. But it's kind of nice every now and then to have some different reminders uh, that, that say, yep, yep, you still need to do that. Because it, we can coast. We can, we can get caught up. Uh, and, and, you know, it can be so easy, even for people who are dedicated to prayer, to say, well, just, just this one day. You know, this, this one day I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice some of that time. I'm super busy uh, right now. Yep. It can wait. Yep. But yep. really it can't. No. No. We're, you're listening to Real Presence Live uh, on the RPR Network. I'm Matt Wilcom, along with Father Will Thompson. And we're just uh, talking a little bit about Eucharistic adoration uh, and um, the power of it, the need for prayer in general. And uh, I, just, I, I can't help but think of the uh, axiom, you, you can't give what you don't have. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, really, for any of us, yeah. uh, essential, not just priests. Uh, but if you're going to be a disciple... 
whatever vocation you are, whether you're a married person, mother, father, uh, single, yeah. you uh, are called to give of yourself. You're called to give Christ, but uh, you can't give him if you don't know him. That's right. Yeah, and going back to our conversation with Shauna a little bit, you know, as far as the, the impact of Eucharistic adoration, you know, there there's, seems to be a very strong correlation between those parishes that have even just some Eucharistic adoration. It doesn't have to be 24-7 Eucharistic adoration, but even an hour a week uh, that, that uh, those, those parishes that do dedicate special time or maybe even a special chapel for Eucharistic adoration. There's a strong correlation between those parishes and the parishes that produce vocations to uh, the priesthood and to the religious life. And I, I think that we've seen that over and over again, and that's, that's just, there's such, that, such a strong correlation that it makes sense. You know, it makes sense that if we, you know, if, if we are going to be devoted to God, you know, we, we need our, our ask, our prayer, our needs to come before the God who reveals himself to us in the Eucharist. Would you say that uh, that type of parish especially has a more humanizing effect on its parishioners, but then also uh, on the town or city where it, where it is? Because there's so many things in this culture that are dehumanizing, mm-hmm. impersonal. Mm-hmm. That you know, I think of technology. You know, we were able to get on our Facebook or Snapchat or text and say things on Twitter that we would never say to somebody in person. Yeah. We would never dare say. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, and, and uh, it's it's really dehumanizing. It's it, and having a parish that is dedicated to prayer. You know, as you mentioned that, you know, is it, you know does it humanize uh, the, the, the parish? I went a different direction that, that I think, yes, it does bring an authentic humanity because we realize that that's the Savior. Hmm. And so I don't have to be the Savior. I don't have to do everything. I don't have to rely just on myself because I'm in front of the one who has already saved me. And Absolutely. that's And I think that takes us so far. Maybe something we shared struck a chord. Now it's your chance to ring in. It is Straight Talk. We're excited to bring you this segment on Real Presence Live. Straight Talk, it's your opportunity to share your questions and comments on topics relating to the faith or on things happening in the world around us with our local hosts and priests. And today, namely, Father Will Thompson is here to answer any questions uh, that you might have about the faith or, or just life in general. Yeah. Now, looking forward to hearing uh, hearing your questions, and uh, certainly will do the do my best to answer them. I'm not a expert on everything. I've not experienced every aspect of God, uh, but uh, I enjoy being challenged by questions as well. And the number to call in for Straight Talk is eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Again, the number eight seven 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 nine five. Zero zero one two two. If you have a question or a comment, you'd like to speak with Father Will Thompson about anything that might be on your mind, whether it be about the faith or something you might be going through, a struggle or a question you might have for him, he is ready to go. Absolutely. 
absolutely. And you know, as as we're as we're entering in, uh, or not entering in, we are in this week of the Eucharist on Real Presence Radio. Uh, uh, we're preparing for the feast of Corpus Christi. So the feast of Corpus Christi is always the second Sunday after Pentecost, uh, as we have these these couple of Sundays uh, to help us transition back into ordinary time. And I think it's wonderful that we have Trinity Sunday and Corpus Christi to help us do that because there's some. I think it teaches us that there's something ordinary about the extraordinariness of God, uh, and not to take the extraordinariness of God for granted but to allow that to uh, become a normal part of our lives. And so with, with Corpus Christi, you know, there's, there's a few things that stand out with this particular celebration. Uh, you know, as you go to Mass this weekend, you'll, you'll notice that there is a sequence. Uh, so after the second reading, we have this uh, beautiful poem uh, uh, about, the, about the, the, the Eucharist, about the Blessed Sacrament. Many parishes will sing it, some will, uh, will, will recite it, but it, it gives us a chance to reflect in a different way about the Eucharist. And then a lot of parishes will also have uh, Eucharistic processions after one of the, one of the masses, and uh, I've, I've taken part in a number of Eucharistic processions, both as the the presider and uh, as a as a participant. And um, there, there's something powerful about that. There's something powerful about bringing the Eucharist outside, uh, bringing the Eucharist into the world. You know, there's that evangelizing uh, aspect of it, but uh, but. I don't know. I, I I feel like as as a Minnesotan, and I think you know, nor, you know, North and South Dakotans probably have the same uh, same uh, um, response. That it's like, okay, there's something weird about this public expression <laughs> of my faith, and uh, it's it, I know it's good, but it also just, it's a little uncomfortable. It's sometimes. uncomfortable, um, but you know what? We're talking about the body and blood of Christ. It should make us uncomfortable sometimes. Right. Right. This mystery is so great. Yeah. And, uh, and Christ not only came to comfort the afflicted but to afflict the comfortable. And sometimes we in the church can get a little too comfortable. Perhaps inside our our church is thinking that, well, uh, this worship, uh, this faith of mine is only for the inside the walls of of this particular building, but it's not. And this is a great sign that we're to take our faith out into the streets, not only during this procession, but uh, at other times as well, and any other time that we encounter someone or... uh, are, are, are called to um, perhaps help someone in need or pray for someone. You feel, you feel that nudge. Uh, this Eucharistic procession is a great reminder that yes, you should answer that call. Yeah, and I know I, I think for for me uh, as as a priest, one of the one of the things that makes me a little uncomfortable is seeing the devotion of other people. You know, I mean, you know, we've, as we've talked about Eucharistic chapels, uh, you know, adoration. You know, sometimes you'll, I'll go in there and I'll and I'll see someone praying and I'll see their 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 devotion, uh, you know, not really on display, you know, because that's not what they're doing, uh, but they're they are showing that devotion. When we have Eucharistic uh, processions, you know, I, I see a lot of people, and it can make me uncomfortable. Like, oh wow, you know, they they've got a great faith, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, where am I at? Where right. am I at in my faith? You know, do do I have I started to take the Eucharist for granted? Have I um, you know, started to ignore Jesus and the Eucharist? Because I look and see, see these other people, and I don't think any of them would say that their faith is perfect, that their faith is unwavering, that their faith is you know, anything like that. But there is something beautiful in a public expression of faith uh, that can help others to you know, sit back and uh, take stock of, of where they're at and, and where I am at in my own faith with the Eucharist. 
I know uh, sometimes when we have these processions, it's a good opportunity to witness to others who are along the procession route, and sometimes they'll even join in the procession. Yeah. And so we shouldn't be afraid to do these things because yeah. it's, it's not just for us. It is certainly for them uh, uh, to wonder what is going on here, what, yeah. what could be so important underneath that canopy that would make all of these people do this in a very public way. Yeah, I remember one, one Eucharistic procession uh, that I was part of uh, a number of years ago on the western part of, of Minnesota. Uh, I think we started out with 100 people or so in the Eucharistic procession. By the time we finished, it was closer to 150, 200 uh, because other, other people just, they joined in or uh, they were at church and they, they didn't want, want to uh, take part in it, but then they saw what was happening. You know, they saw Jesus leading his people uh, and just felt drawn to come. They felt drawn to be able to take part in that. Um, and, and, I, and I think that that's a, a little bit of a microcosm for what we hope the Mass can do. You know, the, 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 the Eucharist is the source and the summit of our faith. And we hope that there's something about that that can, that can draw other people into the mystery of the Blessed Sacrament. You know, not that we want to use the Eucharist as a, a carrot or we want to... Um, you know, use the Eucharist to say, "All right, you're you're already part of the community, so start receiving the Eucharist, even though you're not baptizing." We we, we don't want to, we don't want to do that, but but we want to we want the mystery to draw people in. We want the mystery to uh, inspire us to seek, and then to find as well. Right. You're listening to Real Presence Live. I'm Matt Wilkham, along with Father Will Thompson. We're coming to you live from St. James Coffee in Rochester, Minnesota. It's the Straight Talk segment. You have an opportunity to call in and ask a question of Father Will or just have a conversation about something that might be on your heart. It doesn't necessarily have to be about the faith. It could be about the faith, but not necessarily. The number to do that again is 877-795-0122. Again, 877-795-0122. And uh, again, we're talking about... uh, Corpus Christi, the Feast of Corpus Christi coming up this Sunday. Yeah, yeah. so we have that unique opportunity for a, 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 a Eucharistic procession, which is not limited to Corpus Christi. Uh, when, I, when I was in seminary, we would always have a 40-hour devotion uh, that started with Mass and a Eucharistic procession um, on a college campus. Um, so it's not like Eucharistic processions are limited to this day, but this is a special day to have it. Uh, but I think we are invited you know, on a regular basis to spend time in adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Now, we've been talking a little bit about, you know, we've got uh, Eucharistic chapels uh, where you have uh, per- perhaps perpetual adoration. Uh, at our parish, we have uh, three days of the week that are, are, are designed for people to sign up and to have regular uh, hours each week that they're, they're responsible for, uh, for spending time before the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, but there, there's two ways, uh, I think, we can talk about adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, there is... Uh, uh, exposition, you know, perpetual adoration, uh, where you know the Eucharist is exposed, where we, you can see Jesus in the Eucharist, and there's uh, there's a certain strength to that. I, I always make sure that I uh, spend at least one one day uh, a week, you know, that includes uh, adoration of the Blessed Sacrament that is exposed, that I can see Jesus right there. Um, but not every parish does that, or not every parish has uh, that, uh, that exposition available on a regular basis. Eucharistic adoration can also be done 
in the presence of the Eucharist in the tabernacle, uh, you know, to be in the presence of God, to go to church. Uh, you know, whenever your church is open, just stop in, spend a little time with Jesus. Uh, you know, it's it's a little, in some ways it's it's kind of the difference between you know talking to someone on the phone and doing doing FaceTime uh, with them. Right. Uh, you know, you do get you do get it a little bit more with, with the FaceTime and being able to see them in person. But that's not to denigrate or say that uh, just talking to the phone is unimportant. Uh, and so we want to have that time with Jesus because, you know, there, there's something about spending time. Not always looking for answers, uh, certainly not always receiving answers, but just to spend time. I mean, if you think about, you know, the people that you spend time with, they change you. They yeah. do. For, 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 for good or for ill. You're known they, by the company you keep. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so if Jesus is the company that you keep, uh, you will be known by that. Uh, Jesus will affect you. Um, you know, I think for a lot of us, we, we go through different stages in our prayer. Um, and you know, spiritual writers have been on this for a long time. They talk about a number of different, uh, different uh, kind of uh, ways or stages of the spiritual life. You know, it, um, um, and I'm <laughs> blanking on on all of them right now. But I'm thinking of uh, the, the the illuminative way, the unitive, unitive. way, and I, I'm forgetting the first purgative. One. Purgative. There we go. <laughs> um, that you know, I think sometimes one of the reasons why Eucharistic adoration can be frightening is because we have this innate awareness of the purgative way. We're being purified. We're being purified. We're going to let go. We're going to change. And that can be scary. But it's not scary if we trust that we are in front of a good God who only wants what is best for us. God only wants what is best for us. And, and that can be hard for us to see in our limited uh, vision um, that I might have to let go of something. But God only desires us to be more complete. God doesn't want us to be less. God wants us to be more complete. It's kind of the slowly, the stripping away of any idols that we might have in our lives, any manufactured gods, small g gods, that we think that we need yeah. in our lives. And that, again, can be scary to have those things slowly but systematically pulled back, kind of like the onion. Yeah. I'm onion boy. <laughs> I have many layers. And yeah. God uh, is patient in, in, in pulling back those layers, but we have to give him the opportunity. So to you're an that. onion boy, not a parfait boy? Correct. Yeah, okay. Very much just, an onion uh, boy. Just going to make that clear. I like my uh, onions cooked as well. They can and, become uh, pro- sweet. Providentially, I think we're, we're in some ways talking about a question that has uh, come in online. Um, uh, we have a listener uh, who says that I go to adoration almost weekly. I fall asleep in adoration. Do you have any words of encouragement? Mm. Uh, I do. I do. You know, there's 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 two directions to this. You know, as we're talking about the purgative way. Uh, Sorry, so, I just nodded off there. What'd you say? Yeah, yeah. As we talk about the purgative way, um, you know, sometimes it's it's like being sedated in surgery. You know, sometimes we have to be put under so that the doctor can do the work that is necessary. And so I, I would say to have, when, if you fall asleep occasionally uh, during, during adoration, that's not something to be real concerned about. You know, God is able to do work. Um, however, if you are falling asleep on a regular basis, every time you go, you're falling asleep, um, you know, it's probably more of a practical thing of 
you know, taking a look at your sleep schedule. Uh, now, I know some people, they, they go to adoration at 3 a.m., um, and I, I think we have to be aware of our humanity at 3 a.m., uh, that there is that tendency to want to sleep at that time, and we, you know, we do our best. We do our best to be awake, to be alert, um, but at the very least, when you sit down, when you kneel down before the Blessed Sacrament, commit that hour. If you're there for, for a holy hour, commit that hour to the Lord uh, that whatever, whatever you do, um, whether that is uh, paying attention, speaking, listening, sleeping, all for God. This is all for you, Lord. And I, I commit this hour. I give you this hour and do with me as you will. You know, that, that's, it, it's, it's important for us as we, as we begin our prayer to kind of set ourselves in what we are doing you know not just to roll in sit down and pray and then say all right i'm here for prayer and um i'm just gonna jump right in uh we we need to have that transition our our soul needs that transition our mind needs that transition uh because you know we've, we've got a lot of things we're paying attention to there's a lot of things going on in our lives and if we don't take some time to situate ourselves Recognize we're in the presence of God, uh, you know, giving ourselves to God for that hour, asking God for a particular grace uh, through through that hour. Um, we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure, right? You know, and and sleeping you know, during your holy hour is not necessarily failure. Sometimes you know that's what God wants for you. Um, I know that I know there have been a number of saints who, on a regular basis, fell asleep during prayer. Uh, Obviously, they need they needed the rest. That's right. Yeah, and and that's and that's where you know on occasion if you're falling asleep, yeah, you, you might need the rest. You know, and that and that's okay. And God God understands that. You know, God wants you to be complete. Um, uh, but but I think if it's happening on a regular basis, probably need to look at you know either your sleep patterns. Um, um, you know, look at when you are going for prayer, and do you need to make some adjustment. Yeah, if, if it's not in the wee hours, maybe, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's something to be said for a good sleep study as well. <laughs> and so find, find uh, a medical <laughs> sleep study uh, to try to maybe figure out what's, is there something, am I narcoleptic or something like that? Yeah, yeah, and, and part of the, I think part of the, the challenge is, you know, we go before the Eucharist and, all right, that's Jesus. And... Same Jesus as last week and the week before that, the week before that, um, and and that's and that's that's normal. You know, it, it's it, I think it's normal for you know just having Jesus be Jesus. However, every once in a while you you, you get a surprise. You know, every every once in a while you you have uh, a, a revelation. You have a, a locution. You know, Jesus you know speaks a word to you, um, and you know I I I've really had. Yeah, you know, probably one one locution uh, in in my entire life with, uh, uh, with with the Eucharist, and it was simply will. Hmm. And it, you know, one word, one name, my name. But there was something so powerful about that. He knows you by name. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that uh, that, that can happen for some people. It doesn't happen uh, for a lot of people on a regular basis. Um, and I, I think. On the one hand, you know, we shouldn't go in presuming, you know, that God is going to speak a word to us. And when God doesn't, eventually we give up. Right. Throw out uh, all expectations. But, but we also have a good God who uh, wants to exceed 
our expectations and uh, and we should expect God to be present. We should expect God to reveal himself because that's what God does. You know, that, that's, that, that's one of the reasons why Jesus gave us the Eucharist so that he can continue to reveal himself to us. So I, I think it's important to, uh, you know, to ask, um, to expect God to, to be there, um, but not to presume. Yeah, not not to presume that God will reveal Himself in a specific way, uh, in a way that's going to knock my socks off. But don't we uh, want that though, we Father? Do. I mean, we're such spiritual children. I know I am. We do. It's kind of like asking a physician. You know, you're sick, and you go into the doctor, and the doctor says, "Okay, this is the treatment plan that you need. I'm going to begin this treatment plan," and then you begin to kind of meddle in it mm-hmm. and say, "Well, actually, I, I think you should do it in 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 this way. That's what I would prefer." That's what I would prefer, that you do it this way. Yep. But the yep. doctor's like, what, what, what are you doing? You're, Why? You're interfering <laughs> with, the, with the process. Yeah. And that's kind of how we are with Jesus as, as well in, in adoration. We, because we don't know how to be still and just to know that he's God and to yeah. trust and to say, Jesus, you take over. Yep. That's one of my favorite prayers. Jesus, you take over. Because yeah. I cannot do this on my own. I don't know what is best for me in this situation. I don't. Yep. I may think I do, yeah. but really I don't. You take over. No, I know one, one of the things that I've uh, really had in my mind and heart this week as I've been preparing for the homily on Sunday uh, is with in, in the gospel this week, there is a statement right at the very beginning and uh, right, right at the end uh, that I think provide a perspective for us that's really important. At the beginning of the gospel from Luke, uh, Luke says that, Jesus healed those who needed it. Mm. And then at the end of the, of the gospel passage, uh, Luke says, all were fed and were satisfied. All. All were fed. And so I, I think that speaks to the reality of, of how God works uh, through the Eucharist, that those who, are, who need the healing, they can receive it. But not everybody needs healing. You know, and and I might look at myself and say, well, <laughs> clearly I need some healing here. There's so much going on. But maybe God wants to help you grow in humility. God wants to help you to grow in your trust uh, of God. God. God wants to use that for God's glory, you know, whatever it is that you're experiencing. But in the Eucharist, whether it's receiving the Eucharist uh, or uh, uh, praying in the presence of the Eucharist, all can be fed. All can be satisfied. And so the Eucharist provides that nourishment. And uh, with Eucharistic adoration, uh, it's it's really meant as an extension of the Mass. You know, as the priest holds up, behold the Lamb of God. You know, to to have that moment in your mind as you're going to Eucharistic adoration and just to have it extended throughout as much time as you want. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, blessed are those called to the Supper of the Lamb. Hold that thought. I've got something along those lines, but we want to let everybody know that all can call into our Straight Talk segment right now at 877-795-0122 if you have a question for Father Will Thompson or something that you just like to discuss with him, something on your heart. could be about the faith or not. Uh, this is Real Presence Live. I'm Matt Wilcom along with Father Will Thompson from the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. We're here at St. James Coffee and Father, you, you were talking about how during the Mass, the priest holds up the Eucharist and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold Him. And um, what something that uh, I, I, 
heard recently uh, about the ancient Israelites, uh, the showbread. You're undoubtedly familiar with this. This is a kind of a, it's a foreshadowing of the Eucharist. And what they did apparently, I just learned this recently, was that uh, every week they baked new bread and they kept it in the Holy of Holies. And only the priests were allowed to then, after seven days, eat that bread. And they had to eat every morsel of it, all of it. That should tell you something. Mm-hmm. But Nothing then, left behind, no. I believe it was one day a year that they brought out this showbread and lifted it up before the people. And along with that, they said, Behold God's love for you. Behold God's love for you. It's a loaf of bread. Yeah. Even back in Old Testament times, this was being foreshadowed, prepared for, this Eucharistic banquet that we get to participate in every day if we want. It's an amazing privilege. Yeah. God's love for us. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold his love for us. All ate and were satisfied. We are satisfied by the love of God. We grasp for so many other things, but we are satisfied by the love of God. And there, there, there is something powerful in that display, in showing forth, you know, behold the Lamb of God, behold God's love for you. Um, you know, one other experience that I, I had with the Eucharist um, uh, a number of years ago, I was on a, on a retreat with some high school students. And um, really, really a beautiful retreat. And uh, everyone was, was growing in their faith and um, you know, just growing comfortable with more silence and prayer. And so we're gathered together. The Mass was a little bit later at night. And it was one of those you know, dark and stormy nights. And right, <laughs> as like I, story, right as I held up the Eucharist, Behold the Lamb of God, uh, I'm sorry, no, it was in the consecration. Um, as I consecrated the, uh, the bread and wine, coming the body and blood of Christ, I held up the body of Christ, and in that very moment, a bolt of lightning lit up the entire chapel. You know, it was a little, little bit darker, but, but the light came from both sides you know, through the stained glass windows, and uh, you know, the thunder was right behind it, and I was like, oh. <laughs> so I you know, gen- genuflected in, 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 uh, in adoration <laughs> in and, said, and just took a break from, uh, from the, uh, the prayer and said, yes, God is that powerful. <laughs> and, I, and I still have people bringing that up. That was, that was almost 10 years ago that, uh, that we had that retreat, and there are still people I bump into who, who bring that up. They say, oh, you remember when? Uh, I said, yes, I do. Yes, I do, because God is that powerful. Uh, that's, you know, it doesn't always happen in the form of you know, lightning as we are beholding the Lamb of God. Um, but you know, that, that's, I think that image gives a little bit more reality to what is happening that there is there is something changing there is an enlightenment that happens through the reception of the eucharist not even just the reception but the adoration of the eucharist there is that enlightenment that uh, that happens to us and i think we need to remember our lord's promise too in the gospels that he would send us the spirit to lead us into all truth one of those truths is that the spirit is the lord and giver of life and is the lord of everything that we see Mm-hmm. and animates all life around us. All of nature is held in being by the Spirit. Yeah. And so when you're in adoration, I think it's important to, if you're, if you're maybe having some stale prayer, or feel, don't feel a whole lot, just, it's a great reminder that everything here, my, my whole life, mm-hmm. the fact that I can even take a breath, 
is God's gift to me through the Spirit whom Jesus has sent to us yeah. in a special way. And other, others can know that the Lord is God just by looking at the natural world around us. But we have been revealed uh, the Spirit to us in a very special way. Yeah. And the, the Lord wants to give us special locutions, as you mentioned before, uh, you know, things that yeah. we, he knows are going to be helpful for us. Yeah. You know, one, one other thought that I have, going back to the, the question a little bit about, uh, you know, advice uh, for those who might, might spend some time sleeping during adoration, um, you know, I think there can also be that, uh, that sleepiness, that drowsiness that gets to us in the, um, you know, in receiving the Eucharist, as so you're talking about, the, the Holy Spirit really inspiring us, uh, really breathing into us this new life, remaining with us always. Uh, it reminds me also of, uh, of, of the words of Jesus in the Eucharist, do this in remembrance of me. And the remembrance that Jesus invites us to is twofold. He, he invites us to you know, re-experience his sacrifice, which is commemorated uh, in his sharing of the body and blood in the Eucharist, so his passion, his death, his resurrection. But there's also that, you know, do this and remember to me, do what I did to make this happen. Lay down your life and experience the resurrection. And so I, I think sometimes what, what can happen to us, whether it's through our regular reception of the Eucharist, uh, adoration of the Eucharist, it can become stale when we are not imitating Jesus. And it can become stale when we, when we become convinced that this is about me mm. that, that jesus just wants to feed me jesus just wants to nourish me. jesus jesus wants to make my life better period well that might be true jesus did come to save us he came to forgive our sins and that does make our lives better but jesus also wants us to do this in remembrance of him to imitate him and so in that reception of the eucharist uh the, being inspired by the holy spirit uh the eucharist should lead us out into serving one another, into living our vocation, laying down our lives in love for those that we have been called into. Um, uh, but also just looking at those who are in need around us and how is it that, uh, that I can bring healing? How is it that I can be present to others in need? Uh, the Eucharist should move us forward, should inspire us to imitate Jesus in the ways that we are able to just right around us. Right. Uh, the particular uh, danger uh, for Christians is, I mean, we, we talk about Sometimes Protestants having this tendency of this me and Jesus spirituality. But Catholics uh, can fall into that as well. So we have to be careful that it's not just about me and, and Jesus. It's, it's expansive. You know, at the end of Mass, uh, you know, ite misaes, the, the uh, translation is roughly, you are be sent. Yeah. There's not a, you know, okay, it's all done. Yep. You can go home now. Yeah. Oh, you, you are sent. Yeah, because I, I know one of the things that, one of the realizations that I had that helped me to be much greater peace about my prayer before the Blessed Sacrament is I started to realize that Jesus kind of had more of an impact on me after I was done praying than what, than what I was able to acknowledge during the prayer. Mm. You know, Jesus was sending me out, uh, but I needed to have that time with Jesus in order to be sent out. That I can I can sit down for an hour before the Blessed Sacrament and you know nothing happens, you know, wasting time with God, but I know that from that, and that's why that's why I, I know for my for myself I think it's so important to pray in the morning, um, that I, I need to have that time of being fed, of being nourished, of being inspired, so that I can go out and share Christ. You know, do this in remembrance of me. There's kind of a spiritual remembrance. You remember, exactly. oh, I spent that time with Jesus earlier. 
I am grounded. <laughs> and your coffee has arrived, Father Will. Wonderful. It is a good day. It is <laughs> a good day. Thanks for listening uh, to Real Presence Live. Reminder that this segment is on at 9.30 Central Time every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Up next, Father Joel Hastings of the Diocese of Duluth here on Real Presence Live. <laughs>